there's nothing wrong with rejection at all. In fact, you should welcome it because it, then it goes, cool, I haven't invested any time in this. Thanks so much for not wasting my time. So now I can focus my energy and my emotion on somebody who is interested in reciprocating my interest. Welcome back to another episode. I am excited to have with me today, Ryan Black, international dating coach. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Feels a little bit like having 007 on just because of the the international element. So thanks for being with us. Um, Yeah. So we're talking about overcoming social anxiety today. And I thought a pretty simple place to start would just be to hear a little about your story, how did you get to where you are? How did you become an international dating coach? Uh, well, it, it certainly certainly wasn't my intention uh, at the outset. Um, it was more for me about just getting to a place where I felt comfortable uh, just being around, being literally being around women I, I found attractive. Uh, I started out through most of my um, teens, early childhood, uh, having general social anxiety for one thing, but especially around women that I found attractive. And I, I often say to guys, you know, the the one thing that often separates a guy who doesn't need any of this stuff at all from somebody who, uh, you know, needs to sort of work on and, and, and look into dating advice can be one simple sort of early childhood experience that kind of shapes their uh, their beliefs and their thought patterns. And for me, that was at the age of around sort of 10, 11 years old, I had this uh, girl, female friend that I sort of knew. I had these feelings and I was like, oh, um, you know, you don't know really how to deal with them. And so my only understanding and knowledge of anything to do with uh, to do with relationships really was like Disney's Aladdin. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd weave her this magical tale of like, oh, we'll be on a I'll be on a white horse and you'll be like a queen and we'll live in a castle and all this uh, <laughs> stupid stuff. And uh, as she uh, she slowly realized what I was saying or what I was trying to communicate, her face went from kind of like confusion to then like disgust. And then she just ended up crying and running out of the room. So a very early experience for me was basically taught me whatever you do, if you have feelings for a girl that you like, whatever you do, do not express them. (laughs) Just take those feelings, shove them down inside and just repress the hell out of them. Um, Because clearly if you do express them, terrible, terrible things happen. Uh, And I think for a lot of guys, you know, maybe not that bad, but that kind of tends to be their experience layered on top of which is there from society and from religion and stuff like that. A lot of shame around sexual desire and stuff like that. Um, And so for me, uh, you know, going through going through teenage uh, years, just had absolutely no idea how to communicate uh, with women, communicate my interest. Uh, and I just was somebody who was very much just my head in the clouds, uh, someone who was very good at 
school. I did well, you know, I got good grades, especially in hard sciences and just love to live in this realm, which I think a lot of guys, especially that I, that I end up uh, coaching enjoy living in where it's like, there's this safety in knowing the right answer. It's like in maths and science, there's one right answer. There's one truth. There's one thing. It's very black and white and cut and dry. And so that was my place of this realm of sort of ideas and theories and, and mathematics because the world of emotions, the world of social interaction with all of the shades of gray uh, just was incredibly overwhelming and confusing to me. I just couldn't figure it out. Um, and that got me, uh, at a certain point I, I entered university, uh, pretty much, I mean, never having any kind of relationship whatsoever, stumbled into, uh, one very awkwardly, uh, with a girl who I then remained with the whole way through all of university, uh, pretty much just out of, uh, complete sense of, uh, fear of loss and, and, and scarcity. I literally had no experience of a girl ever being interested in me whatsoever apart from her. So I stayed with her all the way through university, making university for me just one big party I wasn't invited to. I was content to stay in my comfort zone and safety of just hanging out with her and, and whatever it is. And then towards the end of university, I came to this big decision. I had this big dilemma where uh, I was speaking to my college roommate at the time. And I was like, well, we're going to be graduating and potentially going our separate ways. So, I mean, the right thing to do seems to be like, well, should I just marry the only person I've ever been with? Like, this is the only relationship I've ever had. I just marry this woman and that's that's it. Or could I maybe do better? Like, I don't know. Um, and inside, again, but my logical analytical science mind was going, well, statistically speaking, <laughs> Ryan, you've had absolutely no uh, no evidence that any other woman is interested in you. So why risk going out there and trying to find something better, you should just stay with the safety and certainty of, of what you know, even though potentially maybe you think you might be able to do better. And as I was explaining this to uh, to my roommate at the time, he was like, I've got the exact thing for you. And the next day brought me a copy of uh, this leather bound book that looked like a Bible. And I was like, what's the Bible? How is this going to help me with this? Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't the Bible. It was actually a copy of Neil Strauss's uh, 2006, I think, book, The Game, which had just recently been published. And so I devoured this book. I was like, I went through it and I was like, oh my God, psychological techniques based on science, my favorite thing that I can use to uh, you know, get women to be attracted to me, even though I'm a, I feel like a nerdy, awkward, you know, uh, ugly loser. Like this is perfect. This is exactly what I need. Um, so I, I do dove into all that stuff, read the book. And then, uh, a couple of days later, that same friend was like, Oh, there's actually a, a party, a, a couple of doors down from us. And I was like, Oh, we can use the things from the book. Uh, and so we, uh, we went down to this party and there were a few girls there. She started speaking to this one girl and, she said something that uh, we didn't like. She was like, oh, are you guys in that this fraternity or whatever? And we didn't like that fraternity. So then we looked at each other because we were like, we can use this thing from the book. Uh, this oh, this like body rock technique, this old school sort of takeaway thing where someone says something you don't like, you go as if you're going to leave. And so we sort of looked at each other like, oh, we're going to use the thing. And then we both go as if to leave. And she goes, no, come back. And in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, it's working. 
So that was like a revelation, especially as within, I say, 20 minutes of arriving at this party, suddenly there were all these attractive women and they were all looking at me and listening to what I have to say and like interested in my story. And I was like, this has just never happened to me. Like it was, it was, it was uh, crazy. And so I was like, all right, this is, you know, this stuff works or whatever. And I went all in on that. Uh, unfortunately, spent the next three years doing all the material, reading all the books, consuming all the content online, online, all this pickup stuff or whatever, and was no further along with no nothing really to show for it three years in than I was right at the very beginning. And that's when I realized that actually what I'd been doing is, and I think this, this happens to a lot of well-meaning guys who, who find it, you know, find out about some, you know, uh, PUA stuff or whatever it is, is as long as I was going around looking for material that somebody else had written, what I was saying about myself was I am not enough. What I was saying every time I, I was reciting some line or some routine or telling some story that somebody else had written because, and I was saying it because I was like, Oh, I, I need to, I need to basically act like I'm cool or I need to act like I'm alpha or I need to, I need to do all this stuff to present this image of who I think I should be or what, who I think, you know, attractive women want or whatever it is. I was basically saying the core of who I really am is this like worthless, this like worthless loser. And I have to plaster that over with these, with these routines and these fundamentally defense mechanisms and all this stuff. And so I veered further and further away from um, what I now, what I just then discovered and now teach, which is uh, the ability to authentically express myself. Uh, that was all hidden, hidden behind layers and layers of, uh, of what I thought I had to do and who I protect, who I thought I had to pretend to be in order to attract women. Um, and it was through, through discovering uh, the work of this guy who had previously been a, uh, a comedian because his, there's a, a big distinction that I, that I go into, right? Like most of the stuff, most of the pickup stuff is based on uh, the work of this guy, uh, Eric von Markovic, AK mystery, who, before he, before he became a, a pickup artist was a, uh, was a magician. Now what does a magician do? Well, they create an illusion. They play a trick on you to deceive you into thinking that something has happened when actually it's not so that you'll give them validation and approval and clap and be like, Oh, wow, you're amazing. And right. That entire, that exact mentality is what he brought to the world of a uh, 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 pickup artistry. It's all for him, the whole game, like the essence of what game is, is about um, for basically creating this illusion. It's about tricking women, deceiving women into believing that you have certain characteristics or certain traits or whatever it is telling these stories that aren't true in order to get basically get what you want out of them, get female validation and approval. And this is why we see him in the book having mental breakdowns, right? Because, uh, you know, this is a, this is a, this is a cycle that is incredibly unhealthy. Um, especially if what you, your goal is, is to arrive is to actually have a meaningful, uh, uh, you know, long-term relationship. So the, the, the guy I discovered, uh, had previously been a comedian. And to me, like one of the things that about great comedians, uh, that I really love is if you try and go up on stage as a comedian and, uh, get, get the audience to like, think that you're cool, 
uh, or that, you know, act like you're smarter than them or something, the audience will absolutely destroy you. Right. To me, the root of great comedy is the ability to stand up on stage and from a place of owning yourself and self-acceptance, uh, say like, yeah, I, I know that I look a certain way or whatever, and actually make a light, make light of that, make a joke about, uh, whatever it is. And, to be able to tell stories about stuff that you've thought or stuff that you've done that's really, really embarrassing, right? And the audience is on your side because the audience starts laughing, going, oh my God, I've totally thought that or I've totally done something like that, but I would never admit it to anybody, right? So to me, great comedy comes from a place of truth. It comes from a place of self-ownership. It comes from a place of authenticity and people warm to, to you and are on your side when you're willing to take that ego away and come from that place. And that's exactly what this guy was doing. Uh, and so within, uh, within hours of, uh, of, of working, uh, with this, with this mentor, I shifted from a place where I was deep, so deeply concerned about what other people thought of me, uh, that I would just basically avoid as like any social situation as much as possible, uh, to a place where I could just go up to anybody and say whatever I felt like. And I just, stop caring or giving a shit what people thought about me. Um, and within weeks to months of, uh, of, of going through this guy's stuff, I, uh, you know, I was dating three girls, four girls, five girls at the same time, all ethically. Uh, and pretty much never was at a point by like, I never thought about dating or being in a relationship as something that was, that was difficult. It just became the easiest thing in the world for me. And so now a lot of the principles and all of that stuff, uh, through, overcome social anxiety through to structures and frameworks that guys can use to actually communicate with women in an effective and authentic way. Um, that's what I, you know, I thought to myself, well, wouldn't it be an incredibly meaningful, uh, and fulfilling life to be able to help guys like me who are coming from a place like where I used to be at to shortcut past the years and years of suffering and self-doubt and anxiety and depression that I experienced and just get them the results as quick as possible. And so that's why I do what I do now. Well, it's so interesting too, because that original story you told when, you know, when you were 10, I, I find with a lot of, of our clients, they've never put it together quite that this was a formative experience, right? That the pattern and the way that I related with women, most of my life is patterned on this one experience. And you put it so poignantly of the script was never, ever, ever reveal that I like a woman. To, yeah, to yeah. the woman, right? That the 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 um, instruction set is absolutely hide this. You got to hide this part. <laughs> Maybe you can say other things, but you can't reveal this part or it will be disastrous. And there was a way that it was running the way that you were interacting with women for a long time, but but it might not have felt like you knew that. Your experience was just, women don't like me. Right. Or what you said, which I thought was really telling and um, descriptive is one big party I wasn't invited to. Right. That the experience was one big party that I wasn't invited to. And, and it's so interesting because the the mindset shifts, the way that we overcome scripts like that in our lives can be very quick, like you just said. Right. And sometimes sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes you need to do somatic therapy and trauma therapy and all of that. And sometimes it can be very fast. So the, the part, you know, that I was interested in, in terms of your 
that the the three year period when you were doing pickup artist stuff and and it wasn't working um when I imagine that I feel a sense of emptiness and I'm curious just what your felt experience was in that in that section of your life did it feel like you were kind of always chasing always trying always managing always memorizing what was that felt experience and then what what is that like now with the you know where you're coming from now with more it sounds like uh, authentic comedy background yeah yeah so um I think go going to what you said about that that narrative I think a lot of guys get uh get kind of indoctrinated into that view that their their desire for the woman that they find attractive is somehow this sort of negative thing it's a bad thing and they shouldn't communicate it that gets reinforced in different ways by a lot of things in society and um that's what like one of the core things why i think i spent so long not getting not getting results uh with pickup stuff is because all the all the pickup stuff pretty much comes from a comes from a philosophy of indirect uh, of doing an indirect approach where you're intentionally supposed to, they said like, you're absolutely right. You should never express how you actually feel. Um, especially, you know, right away at all, you have to kind of prolong this interaction and do all these things. Bef- and in order to create this, uh, in, so- in order to build and create this attraction. And only when you're absolutely 100% sure she's definitely into you, then you're allowed to express some kind of, some kind of interest. And so, what that became for me was was many many years of staying in the safe comfort zone of sort of just the beginning like the beginning early stages of an interaction because w- one thing that um, that kind of a lot of pickup stuff is very good for is it's really good at like prolonging the beginning bit and avoiding the possibility of being rejected because you're being incredibly indirect and you just t- whatever it is like telling some funny story like doing some. Uh, you know, doing some routine or whatever it is, you're having like conversations that are going going on. And so what it what it did to me and it's what it does for a lot of guys is they go like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm improving. I'm getting better. Like, you know, I I spoke to that group of girls for like 30 minutes. Like that's awesome. I'm I'm doing great. I'm improving. But it's like, but yeah, but <laughs> those in those interactions never lead anywhere. Nothing ever happens because you're it's you're you're prolonging this thing um and just having basically essentially platonic meandering conversations with no intent, with no, uh, with no drive, with no sort of outcome, with no intent, not without no intention, with no intent. And so, you know, whatever it is, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the girls, okay, well, that was cool meeting you. You're funny. And then they walk off and go, you know, go find a guy who has some actual balls and will, will actually hit on them. Um, And also avoiding the vulnerability. What I hear is, you know, because it is vulnerable to say, I like you. I'm interested in going out with you. It's vulnerable. And all of the indirect stuff is a way of avoiding that vulnerability because exactly what you said in order to avoid rejection. So there's a way that it perpetuates the the sideways, essentially sexual shame, right? There's a lot of shame and, and sexual shame and shame about desire, as you mentioned. And if, if I am holding that shame and I get to avoid actually having someone you know, reject me, then that feels a lot safer to your point. And it's a way of avoiding intimacy. And that, and there's something really striking about what you said of, you know, mystery as a, 
as a person and as a founding member of the pickup artist movement, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff around it that's based on his, um, consciousness level, right. His, his way of doing things or the way he thinks. And there was something really, um, interesting in what you said about feeling like you wanted to, um, extract something, right. There's an extractive quality to pick up artist material that I have, that I have read and, and seen and that clients have shown me because it feels like you're trying to get something, right. You're trying to get a number. You're trying to get a date. You're trying to get her into bed. You're trying to get something. And, and it feels very much like, um, well, first of all, it feels like a lot of work, but it also feels like the opposite of intimacy because intimacy is I'm sharing something with you and you're sharing something with me. There's an exchange and it feels healthy. It feels like I'm showing you who I really am and you're showing me who you really are. I'm holding space for you and you're holding space for me. There's there's a different quality of connection based on empathy that that relates to intimacy versus I'm trying to get this thing from you. I'm trying to get something from you so that I feel better about who I am as a man so that I feel validated or so that I get my sexual needs met. And there's not that sense of providing. And what I see in a lot of my clients is that healthy men want to provide. They don't just want to get and extract. They want to provide. They want to be of service. They want to be a value. And there's not a lot of room for that in pickup artistry. It feels just, it feels very narrow. And, but I am curious, given all that, you know, in terms of overcoming social anxiety, it feels to me like one of the advantages, because I don't think that pickup artistry is all bad. I don't think it's in just a completely evil thing in the world. But one of the advantages I've seen is that it does tend to, um, drive people into more social interaction, just go out, do this, try this. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on just meeting a lot of people and, and meeting a lot of women, spending time around women. And I'm curious if you can speak a little too, cause you, you did mention generalized social anxiety and particularly social anxiety around women you were attracted to did that period of time when you were kind of going for it, pickup wise, did that affect your social anxiety, did it help with the social anxiety, just meeting lots more people? Yeah, I, I will say, and I, I do often say I do credit, I do credit it for certain things. I do credit it for at the very least encouraging me to sort of get a bit more out of this world of idea. Cause at the time that I got into it, I was literally, my mindset was the only thing that matters is like the truth of reality and ideas and, and important stuff like that. And like what you look like and how you dress and like feelings, these are all like irrelevant, stupid, pointless things. Um, and it got me a little bit more into reality where it's like, you know, how people perceive you is, a th- is important. <laughs> and if you, you know, take care of your appearance and like go to the gym and, and try and dress well and stuff like that. Like that does help how you come off and how you're perceived by people. And that's an important thing, you know? Um, and yes, it encouraged me to spend time, go, you know, going out and, and trying to meet people and, and, and being more social than I, than I had otherwise been. And for those things, I, uh, I, I do credit it some way. However, what I'd say is for the, for the exactly the type of person that it would benefit the most, it is the most damaging because for a guy who's like kind of doing okay, like for a guy who 
has a decent amount of uh, of self confidence. Like he's all, he's doing all right. Like he's de- decent looking, dresses okay. Um, then yeah, I can give him some stuff to go try, um, and it'll probably you know he'll probably be able to get some results. But for the guy who who's has a lot of insecurities, has a lot of uh, self doubt, a lot of uh, anxiety, and all of these things. In my experience, with a lot of people that I've worked with and myself, it will actually only make their anxieties worse. It would actually, it'll actually probably make them worse than when they started. Um, and that happened to it happened to one of my uh, friends and fellow coaches uh, as well. It happened to me. It happened to a lot, a lot of people I've helped. Why? Because a guy arrives um, on a uh, on a boot camp or whatever with some pickup guy, right? And he's already got his own anxieties, his own insecurities, all of these things, right? He's already prone to going massively in his head and, and, and all this stuff. And then you're only adding, right now, he's like, all oh, right. So he, th- then the coach is like, okay, so you have to do, in order to start a conversation, you've got to do A, B, C, D. You've got to do these techniques, right? And the guy's, I, he's been sold this idea, like all of the marketing at that time, right, was like, um, if you do these techniques perfectly, if you do these techniques right, then there's zero, then you will never be rejected, right? Comple- complete, ridi- completely ridiculous promise, right? Absolutely absurd, but it feeds right into this guy. Is like, oh my God, if I just, if I just learn how to do this, this, uh, this technique perfectly, then I, you know, I'll never have to face this horrible, this horrible feeling of rejection ever again. It's seductive. It's a seductive idea. Especially exactly. I, what I love about how you set up the whole conversation was that the mindset of hard sciences, right? If I do this, if you do this in science, if you put these two chemicals together, this will happen. There's not exactly a hundred percent of the time always happen. And if you're doing an algebraic equation, this equals this, there's no gray, there's nothing. It's, it's, it's a seductive idea. It's this, it's applying the same mindset to this. Like if you do these things, you won't be rejected by women. Exactly. And so, so you're giving a guy, he's already prone to going inside. He's already uh, his own worst enemy. He's already over overanalyzing everything. He's already really, really nervous and he already has anxiety. And then you're going, right. So you've got to do step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six, step seven. You've got to do all these steps in all the right order. You can't miss one step. You have to do a, You have to say this exactly this way. You have to, you know, blah, blah, blah. you have to do all this stuff. If you do all that stuff correctly, then then you won't be rejected. And then you'll get this thing that you, then you'll get a, you know, you'll get a number, you'll get this, this predetermined defined result that you want. And the guy's, Oh, okay. I've got to remember all this stuff. And then he's, then literally most of these guys are physically, most of these coaches are physically having to force their students to go into an interaction because now the guys, he's got his own anxieties and now he's got the anxiety of, Oh, I have to remember all the steps. And if I miss, if I miss any of the steps over, I don't do them perfectly, then she'll reject me and then it'll be horrible. And then, Oh, and I'm, I've, you know, I spent all my money on this course. And, and if I don't do it right, then I'm going to let myself down. I'm going to let the coach down. Everybody's going to think I'm an idiot right now. He's even more in his head. And uh, even more anxious, right? And again, I remember the, the the way that the theory went was like, you have to do all these things to create this attraction. And then one, only when you've created enough attraction, you're looking for signs that she's attracted. And only when you get a certain number of signs, then you're allowed to progress to the next step. So now again, he's in his head, 
because he's like, I have to do all these steps right. And then I have to look and see, like, is she playing with her hair? Like, is she looking? But is she just playing with her hair? Or is, she, does she, is it because she likes me? I don't know. And now he's, now he's in his head even more. So, like, when's the ne- when am I allowed to do the next step? When am I allowed to actually express any interest in her? It's just, it's overwhelming. It's absolutely overwhelming. And so for me, to answer your, uh, one of your questions earlier, to me, it felt like three years of a hell of a lot of hard work going out th- Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, um, do, you know, learning all this stuff, trying it out, whatever it is, like having to push my, and every time, every time I was having to push myself past this fear to go do, to go do this thing. Like at, n- never was it just like, Oh, I'm just going to go up and talk. It was never, it was by within at least a year, certainly for the last two years, it was literally like, it was work. Like none of it was fun at all. I wasn't having fun doing any of it. I was just forcing myself to be to be in an environment I didn't really want to even be in, to be at a nightclub playing music I didn't even like, and spending money on drinks I didn't even really want, to 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 in the hopes that I might as you as as you uh, identified to get some kind of result. Oh, I could you know I'll get a phone number, I'll get a date out of this, uh, and it's a, it's deeply deeply. This is the thing they 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 talk out of both sides of their mouth a lot of the time, or they have very contradictory philosophies. Cause on the one hand, it's like, Oh, you're the prize. Like they will say, like they will say, Oh, you're the prize, bro. Like you're the prize. Okay. Well, if I'm, if you're the prize, then why do you have to do all of this stuff to prove to the woman how worthy you are of her? And this is my, this is my whole thing. One of the, one of the deeply sort of, um, uh, deeply counterproductive and just ridiculous ideas is, oh, you know, um, when you go when you go up, right, you have to display higher value or DHV, right? You have to tell these stories about about whatever how cool you are, and then you also have to neg her, right? You have to bring her down so that um, you know she she sort of questions herself or whatever it is or thinks less of herself while building yourself up and and displaying how valuable you are and only then when you've knocked her down enough and built yourself up is it are you allowed to progress to the next step where you can actually express like oh yeah you're pretty cool or whatever to me it's like well by that by that what you're saying is as soon as you see her by virtue of her being attractive or whatever she's literally on a pedestal that you've just made where she's oh you're so amazing and I'm just this worthless piece of shit. So I need to do all this stuff to prove to her how like cool I am. It's like, what? That, 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 that doesn't, that, that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. But it only, it makes sense if your default assumption is that like, is that who you really are is, is worthless. And that's unfortunately where it was, where I was coming from. And a lot of these guys are coming from is coming from a fundamentally of a place of deep self-worth issues. I think that's really well said. And it's also, the part of what's toxic about it is that it it has nothing to do with who that woman is as a person, right? Everything is about you. It's about, you know, you have to prove yourself. You have to take her down a notch rather than curiosity of, I wonder who this person is. What is this person into? Who Who is this woman? The, there's no focus on putting quality attention on her and eliciting her truth and getting to know her as a human being. and um, I'm I'm curious. I'd love to hear more about the comedy piece, but it feels like there's a way when you're authentically relating with someone and you're actually present and curious about them that in a way 
if you're actually being present and curious about someone, many times intimacy is built naturally. It's not something you have to try to force. It's a natural outgrowth of actually listening to someone's story, actually listening to what they're saying and responding and being in connection, which is a whole lot less work. <laughs> like To your point about a lot of work in environments you didn't want to be in, it sounds like it was a pretty drastic transformation once you had the right mentor that you ended up dating. It sounds like a lot of women ethically that you were excited about pretty quickly. And I'm curious, you know, were you meeting them at nightclubs or was it also like the environment could shift too? what was the, what was that transformation like? So yeah, the, the, the transformation is, is, is very, very close to, to exactly how you described where again, like most, again, the vast majority of the material out there pretty much derived from one guy who couches it in sort of vaguely scientific evolutionary psychological uh, terms, but fundamentally, this this material was developed in high end nightclubs in LA in the nineties by a by a bunch of guys going out and uh, you know cobbling together kind of a uh, a system based on stuff that they got from uh, you know some David Data stuff, a lot of things from uh, the work of like Robert Greene, like his books his book Seduction and the Forty Eight Laws of Power. Uh, and some of the some of the stuff by Ross Jeffries and things like that. And uh, again, it's like if, if you look at the if you look at the uh, basis of something like Seduction or the Forty Eight Laws of Power by Robert Greene, this is somebody who's looking at taking as kind of source material for his for his principles and his theories. Uh, you know, uh, the Machiavelli's The Prince and Sun Tzu's Art of War. As I, I'm not saying there's there's nothing to be gained from those books, but the the entire language is couched in. Um, I mean, if you if you look if you look at the language of uh, the book, the game, and and, and most pickup artist stuff, right? It's saying you approach the target and disarm the obstacle. Well, that sounds like that sounds like someone going into a war zone to disarm a bomb, right? It's literally. It's yes. literally framing the interaction between a man and woman as a a a, uh, a war or something where you where you have an enemy that you have to outsmart, right? It's like the, again going back to the whole indirect thing. Don't reveal to your enemy your true intent, right? It's like that's a very very uh, like fundamentally you use the word like toxic or whatever like it's a it's a pretty toxic way of, of viewing your interactions uh you know with a woman In, instead that the one of the one of the big shifts that i made was to a place where i recognized like hey we're on the same we're on the same team here right maybe and maybe my job is not to out out trick uh you know a, a woman or deceive her maybe it's just about coming from a place of giving value first and then some some percentage of uh, of women will kind of resonate with that value and be interested to kind of know more and I, I continue the interaction with the women that do and the ones that don't it's like well i'm actually very happy to rather than rather than fearing rejection as some horrible thing recognizing that if if within a few minutes if i'm being if I'm being direct somewhat, right? If I'm actually expressing my intent as soon as is practicable, like within the few first few minutes of an interaction, well, 
if a guy's like, oh, I, I'm not interested in that, well, that's to me, that's actually great because that means that I don't spend 30 minutes or multiple dates or whatever it is investing emotionally and investing my time in somebody who's actually not interested. <laughs> right. To me, it's, it's, yeah. uh, my, my, uh, my late father, who's a, a great businessman set uh, very often said that his second favorite response in a, you know, from a, a, a potential business prospect was a quick no, because he was like a quick no means that I don't waste my time worrying about, you know, trying to make this deal work. And now I can focus on the deals that are working. Right. And so like that always, that always stuck with me. It's like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with rejection at all. In fact, you should welcome it because it, then it goes, cool. I haven't invested any time in this. Thanks so much for not wasting my time. So now I can focus my energy and my emotion on somebody who is interested in reciprocating my, uh, my interest. And so the whole thing, the whole thing, uh, shifted for me from this, as you, as you very well sort of pointed out this sort of this manipulative kind of value taking approach of like a very outcome independent value taking approach to one of just like leading with value, just to, just leading with from a place of just like value self-expression. Like, I'm just going to say what I feel what's on my mind or whatever it is. And if that, if you're cool with that, awesome. And if you're not, that's cool too. And then it, just as you put it, it goes from like this being this hard work thing to just the easiest thing in the world. I'm curious if you can speak a little to when you did find the right mentor and I, and, and the, the comedy piece and everything, you know, you're still in a scenario where you are sexually attracted to a woman and you're in her presence. And I know for a lot of my clients that can be an intense experience of, you know, some, some guys will go into freeze, right. Where they just don't feel like they can say anything or they're very much in their head and they're, they're frozen in that moment. Some of which has to do with past trauma. And I'm curious in your experience in that transformative time with that mentor, how did, how did sexual shame play into it? How did it work for you? Because you're still standing in the presence of a woman or women you're attracted to. And there's a lot of intensity there, right? There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of energy circulating or getting stuck, whatever. But how did, how did you work with that? How did that shift for you? Yeah. So this is something actually that one of your, one of your previous guests was talking about where she mentioned this idea of aligning your thoughts and your feelings and your actions and your words, like just aligning everything. And there's like an enormous power there. So, uh, for me before I was any sort of feeling of desire or, or whatever it is, I had been taught from those early experiences. And then I was taught by all the pickup artists to repress that, like, don't show it, don't express it, hide it. Right. So, uh, through, through doing, so basically we like together with, uh, w- with that mentor and a, and a few other people, um, one of whom, uh, Marcus Oki, uh, of your charisma coach, an amazing, amazing coach. We kind of developed this, this thing that later on. So companies like, for example, simple pickup, uh, did a bunch of stuff and then it kind of became a whole, a whole genre in and of itself. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of YouTube, um, accounts and videos of, of like social experiments of like kind of doing a, doing a kind of slightly weird thing, like going up to people and saying something like just saying, a, saying a stupid joke or doing something embarrassing or silly, 
like um we, you know with people in the real world so we we kind of pioneered that um and he he was someone who uh who was doing that like years before everybody else so through through doing that essentially it's uh it's uh, and this is what I this is what I do now. Like part of the course is taking guys through a series of experiences where um, we kind of reframe and, and and essentially remove the core thing that causes the social anxiety in the first place. So uh, in my in my uh, admittedly simplified model, um, the there's a uh, thing that I term the ego, which is not like the the Freudian. Uh, you know, ego, uh, super ego, weird thing, but the ego more and more in the sort of the Eastern tradition of uh, essentially a, a sub program that runs in our mind that's concerned with how other people uh, perceive us. And uh, this ego is designed, it's there because it believes it's keeping us safe by preventing us doing things or saying things that will get us judged negatively by our tribe around us. Because if you were judged negatively, by your tribe around you, you would be ostracized from that tribe and you would very likely die. So our ego believes that it's keeping us, literally preventing us from dying by uh, essentially making us a conformist and having us shy away from doing or saying anything that might get us perceived uh, in any negative way. Um, And this is the core foundation of where social anxiety comes from because uh, around people, right. And I'll very often work with guys and I was like this, right. Around people who we already know and there's trust there. Um, and we're already friends with, we know that they're not going to like, we can say anything to them and they're not going to judge us. Right. We have that relationship. So very, very often it's like, there's a guy who can be funny and he can be and he can have a good time and he can have interesting conversations and he can have that perfect thing to say at the right time with his friends in certain settings. But it's a new, it's a new person, especially a, a girl he finds attractive, right? He completely shuts down because that ego arrives and goes, oh, they don't say anything. Better to stay safe. Don't say anything to her, especially because this is like a public place or whatever a situation and people could see you Go, go up to her and say the wrong thing. And then she rejects you. And then everybody sees, and it triggers that, it triggers that survival mechanism of if everyone sees you be rejected, you'll be ostracized, you'll die. So it's literally triggering that same, that's where that the physiological um, uh, uh, sympathetic nervous system is being triggered. With li- the guy literally is going into fight or flight mode because his ego is telling him he could die if he, if this goes wrong. And so for most guys, it's like, well, why risk dying? I'll just say nothing. Uh, so yeah, part of the, part of the, uh, the, like the, the work, the kind of one of the, one of the uh, bits of the secret source of the, uh, of the program that I teach is taking guys through experiences that show them in front of their face that number one, when they do something that's stepping slightly outside of whatever their social comfort zone is, when they do something where, when they do or say something that might potentially have them be judged negatively, in fact, uh, they do, they indeed do not die. I've, I can guarantee you, I've never had a single guy die on any of my courses. Um, You're talking about the videos where people will go and make a snow angel on asphalt for no reason, or exactly. Exactly. Pretend like they're a bird around a college campus, something 
quote unquote outrageous outside the norm. Is is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of, you you see, yeah, yeah. You see, you see a lot of guys, um, a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of YouTube channels now where that people guys got copied it and you'll see like their early videos is like them sort of doing, basically doing filming cold approaches. And then later it becomes like social experiment doing this crazy thing. And it all stems, it all stems from, uh, the guys at simple pickup kind of started it and they were inspired to start their channel from watching one of the videos that we did, uh, in the early, like late two, like 2000, um, nine, 10, something like that. Um, but yeah, so just the, just experiment. It doesn't have to be some crazy, insane thing. The point is just stepping slightly outside of what is like normal, what is like comfortable, right. To, um, to do something like a little bit weird where maybe somebody might look at you and go like, you're being, you know, you're an idiot. Right. Um, and that was it. That was, it, it was such a hugely, uh, liberating moment for me because again like um and uh, guys like me too who, who i work with right we're from the time that we're five years old we're indoctrinated into a into an educational system where it's like you get you say the right you think you think about what the one right answer is and then you give yourself permission to put up your hand and then you say the right answer and then you get an a and then you get to progress to the next step and everything is about like being right you have to be right being right gets you further ahead being right gets you an a being right gets you a good job being right gets you a pat on the head from mom being right gets you a gold star from teacher everything is about being right um and so that way of thinking uh ill prepares you for life in general and especially for social interaction where there is no right answer and in fact there is no downside to being wrong right and and so when i'm imagining that the way that translates to standing in the presence of a woman you find attractive is that instead of freezing there's a sense of i don't have to say exactly the right thing you've had an experience of being outside of, of that ego. And so it's easier in that circumstance to just say something that comes to mind. Is that right? Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, by do, by going through these kind of, uh, social experiments and these, these things, one thing we do is we prove that, um, you know, nothing bad happens, nothing bad happens, right? Like you can step outside of a social norm. You can say the wrong thing, and not only does nothing bad happen, but actually we do them in ways where that do, we're doing them in a, in a way that's actually fun and it's enjoyable, right? So now what we're doing is we've now removed the trigger for the anxiety and, and the fight or flight thing, right? Because it's not, it, you, you re, your subconscious mind is very good at being like, oh, wait, my map of reality was incorrect. There is no downside. There is, there is, no, there is no fear of death here. So I can just remove that. I don't need to protect this uh, person from uh, from this. And we'll then re-anchor the experience of having somebody judge you negatively, even the experience of being rejected to a positive emotion of it, this is funny rather than it being anchored to a negative emotion. And then favorite, we create... Yeah, go ahead. Favorite, do you have a favorite weird social experiment? Well, so yeah, so... So my, my favorite thing that kind of proves all of this together, um, in one is something that we'll usually build up to about halfway through the first day on the, uh, on the Saturday. And it's very, very simple. It's just literally, uh, I have the, I teach the guys how to get, you know, get 
someone's attention and get them to uh, to stop so they can actually talk to them. And then in the context of teaching um, and getting them to uh, to stop effectively, the exercise is simply to go up and say, hey, listen, uh, I'm totally not hitting you. On, I'm totally not hitting on you or anything. Um, but do you want to be my girlfriend? And or we are, and we also shifted as well, like totally, this is totally not a, a, a pickup line, but can I get your number? Right. And those are, those are two, like, they're stupid. That's never going to work. Right. That's obviously not going to work. And so what it does is it takes the pressure off because it's like, this is the exact opposite of material where it's like, I have to do all this stuff. Right. Like there is no way to do this. Right. It's never going to happen. She's obviously going to say no. Right. So now with the, with the expectation of, well, this isn't going to work, she's not going to say yes. So it's right. They remove that out, that, that need for an outcome, right. There is no outcome dependence when you know that it's not going to work. You don't care anymore. Right. So they're just doing it for the pure enjoyment of like, this is so right. They're doing it with a cheeky smile on their face because they know the whole thing is so stupid. And yet one out of every four times, roughly, I would say one out of every four times I do this with, with guys. So pretty much almost every time I teach, uh, I, I teach a course, one of the guys goes up to a girl and he goes, Hey, I'm just totally not trying to chat you up or anything, but can I get your number? She goes, yeah, all right. And he's <laughs> like, but what? And I've literally had guys like, just look at her like dumbfounded. And he's like, but I did. And she's like, what do you not want it then? And he's like, no, no, no. And I've had him walk off just like in a daze. And I'm like, mate, do you want to go back there and actually <laughs> get her number? Yeah. And he comes out of it with this look, but, and he goes, I remember ju- just the last time it happened. He's like, but I, he goes, but I didn't even do anything. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> because in that moment, he realizes all this in, his entire life up until this point, he's been told by society, you are not enough as a man unless you have this, unless you, you know, make, make 10 figures and have a 20 pack abs and have a Lamborghini and all this stuff. He's been told by um, you know, pick up artists like you have to, you have to display higher value. You have to be the coolest guy in the nightclub. You have to be in the VIP area. You have to be jumping around. You have to be high energy. You have to be alpha. You have to be all this stuff. Yeah. All these things. You just tell himself this whole life. I have to do all this stuff. Right. If I just have maybe even have the hopes of having, you know, an average girl even look at me. And then in a, in an actual real life example, he's confronted with the reality that for some women walking around, just showing up is enough. Yeah. And being playful and a little adventurous and direct. Cause I, what I notice in those is it's exactly the opposite of the manipulative bullshit and especially negging. I fucking hate that whole thing oh, about knocking her down. I just hate it. And it's, it's sort of just like, Hey, you want to go out? <laughs> It's not that complicated. And I love that you have the yeah. statistic of about one in four women are like, okay, sure. You yeah, know, like I don't almost, know. You seem fun. Why not? Yeah. And, and, and that's, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's to, to me, um, exactly what, what you guys said when you, when you were talking in one of your previous episodes, uh, which I have to say again, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed, uh, about cold approach and what worked and what didn't is, um, if it just, you know, if you listen to to what women uh, are saying, I think so many guys are they they're putting all this pressure on themselves, like they have to be this 
James Bond and they have to have everything figured out and they have to be super smooth and, and they have to have every, like everything has to be like perfect if they're even going to, and it's all this, and they have to work so hard. And it's like, in, in, in my experience, really, it comes down to arriving, arriving from that place of with a, what I call nonchalance, which is the playful indifference. So it's leading with values like, Hey, this is me and something. Right. And it doesn't really matter what that something is. It's just like being willing to go first and just try something out and just express something in the moment from a, from an energy of like positivity, playfulness, like my life is going awesome. And I'm just inviting you into this moment to like uh, have fun or whatever. And then, uh, a level of genuine curiosity in that other part in that that other person, right? So like a thing of like, yeah, you you know, you look attractive, and I wanted to come meet you, and now I actually want to get to know you as a human being and find out if we connect on in some way, uh, yeah. and then just a willingness to a willingness to some level of intent, some leading of like, hey, let's move this to the next step. Like, should we see each other again? Whatever it is, and the willingness to kind of go first, put yourself out there a bit, um, and and lead and and lead it somewhere. If you're able to do that. I'm telling you, you're already like in the top 1% of guys and that anybody can do those things. Yes, I can confirm that because I think there's a level of bravery to going first and it Mm -hmm. establishes a certain polarity, right? Of I like you, I would like to see you again or whatever it is, that willingness to go first feels like something I can lean into. Oh, great. I'll follow you there. That's something I can follow you into. And I know where we're going versus I don't really know where we're going. Are we going somewhere? (laughs) Do you like me? Are you talking to me because you want to get to my friend? Like, I don't really know what's happening here versus like, Hey, I'd like your number. How's that sound? It's like, there's somewhere for me to, there's something for me to respond to instead of just floating in space, which I, I do find is more the default of, of just a lot of wandering around energy from a lot of men. And that, you know, that theme of overcoming social anxiety, I think the, it does feel like that, (laughs) that guy who came back, who got a yes, who's in a daze, his whole framework, his whole mindset is now different to your point, right? It's a, it's a, an instantaneous shift of all these things I thought I needed to do all this work. I thought he needed to do to be exactly what she wants. Maybe none of that is true, which in in that case, all these other things I thought weren't true. So now I'm starting from a different place. My mind is totally open and there's just a lot more possibility. And I, I think a, a lot, a lot of the stuff out there, whether it's pickup stuff or whether this, 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 um, this red pill crap that's uh, even worse, uh, does this thing where it's basically saying, um, like a the de- a default assumption is, cool. Here are these things that you need to do so you can change yourself to pretend to be this, this one this like alpha guy who is like universally attractive to all women. And that's the, just for me is the most ridiculous thing because it's like, well, as a guy, right. Speaking to one of the guys who might think that it's like, as a guy, like you have different tastes and preferences in the women that you find attractive versus like your friends. Right. Right. So why wouldn't you think that women also have tastes and preferences that are different instead of trying to, uh, learn all the stuff to change yourself into 
as close as possible to what you've been told, like all women find attractive. Why don't you instead just try and find the woman out there, even if it's just, oh, maybe it's only, you know, 5% or 3% or 1%, even if it's 1%, why not just try and find the women for whom exactly who you already are is their 10? What about that? Yes. And the only, like, the thing is that you, you can't know that by just looking at somebody. So guess what? You're going to have to go up to her and you're going to have to express who you actually are in order for you to be able to find that person. It's the only way. Right. Right. It's more of a, a match. I appreciate what you said about, I do think there's a, I do think there's a perception in, in both sexes. And I just want to acknowledge this is a pretty heteronormative conversation and that's kind of how it is for this, what we're talking about here. And I think it's the same on, on women's side, right? Women who have sex with men, there's this perception that if I have the perfect ass and I have the perfect hair and I have the perfect figure and I look perfect, then all men will want me that there's this, there's this impossible standard ideal that we are constantly trying to live up to in order to be attractive. And it's, it's similar to, to men where it's like, actually, there's probably men out there right now or women, whoever you're attracted to and whoever you have sex with, who would want you exactly as you are. But there's this drive or perception that there's this, there's this fundamental ideal. I should be like this. And until I'm like that, I'm not really worthy of connection. And I think that's what you're pointing to is what if you didn't have to do all that crap? What if how you are now is actually perfect for someone. And it's more about finding that someone instead of spending so much energy and attention and time and money trying to become that impossible ideal. Yeah. And, and I think uh, I, I say this all the time to guys, you know, it's like as guys, we've we've been fed a lot of these lies of society of like, basically, you're not enough as a guy unless you whatever, have all these material things and you have all this success and you you look a certain way and you have this, you know, you have the, you know, fancy car, whatever it is. And women too, ex- exactly as you say, it's like, if you don't look this certain way, then it's like, oh, you're, you're not enough. And what's even, what's even weirder about that is like the standards of what's considered beautiful, I mean, have shifted dramatically just in the last few decades. So it's like this constantly changing societal thing of like just you know like as supermodels or whatever in the as recently as the 90s and early 2000s he was supposed to have like no butt and incredibly incredibly skinny or whatever it is and now it's like because I, I don't know of kim kardashian whatever now like big butts is a thing and whatever it is it's like well <laughs> you're just gonna you're gonna shift your sense of self-worth and this is actually this is actually a huge huge point um that i get into it might seem a bit woo-woo to some people but it's it's a it's one of the core kind of places that that, that I'm coming from for my material is are you going to shift your sense of self-worth based on external like how the how external things happen to be in the world? To me, that's the equivalent of basically saying I'm gonna I'm gonna set my feeling of happiness based on how the weather happens to be today. Right. Unless you live if you live anywhere outside of Southern California, you're in for if you live in London, you're in for a really bad time. Because <laughs> Most of the time it's overcast and rainy and miserable. And right. Also, so, yeah, but this it's is what we, this is what we're told. This is essentially the, the, um, the philosophy that we've, that we're fed that most people inhabit is an outside in philosophy where we're, where we're told how external circumstances happen to be, how 
um, much validation or lack thereof other people are giving you, that should decide how you feel about yourself. And in fact, the 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 the, the core shift from all all of that material, all of that uh, whatever mystery method, anything else, all of that is an outside in philosophy. It goes here's how you here's how you manage uh, and and manipulate other people's perceptions of you, our women's perception of you, so that they will perceive you as high value and attractive, so they will give you validation and they will give you uh, whatever love and they will give you sex. And to me, yeah. the only way to live uh, is inside out, is to go, is the exact opposite, is to go, other people's perception of me is nothing to do with me, which it isn't. Um, so what some of the some of the great psychologists and some of the uh, great writers about this um, this way of thinking, one of whom was uh, a psychologist called Adler, A-D-L-E-R, who is a contemporary of Freud and, in my opinion, far superior um, uh, to him, uh, talks a lot about that uh, basically an, an insight. He doesn't specifically term it an inside out philosophy, but a lot of the stuff that he talks about is basically that where one of the core uh, principles he says is people's reaction to you and people's perception of you um, is 100% to do with them. It's nothing to do with you. Um, another great writer on, on this subject is a guy called Michael Neal, who wrote, I believe his book is called The Inside Out Re Revolution, um, which, makes a which makes a similar point. So you can either live your life constantly up and down based on how people react to you or what people think about you and, and what the weather happens to be and all the stuff, or you can come from inside out and say there are core things that I believe about myself that I know that I know to be true about the the things that I've achieved, the stuff I've overcome, that my core values, my accomplishments, all of these things. Those things are true. There's nothing nobody can take those away from me. And I set my internal sense of well-being, and I set my internal sense of self-esteem not based on what other people think about me, but what I know about myself. Yes. Well said. So if people are interested in learning more, where can they find you and what are you up to now? Uh, yeah, you could just go to ryanblack.us uh, and choose your own adventure there. Um, there's a couple of things. There's a, a free script that helps people connect better uh, on online messaging. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, presentations I've done about uh, how to uh, get a girlfriend and uh, how to uh, date multiple people uh, in a ethical way. So you can kind of choose whatever um, your next goal is uh, from, the, uh, from the list on that site. Perfect. Hey guys, I know that in this episode, we talked a bit about mentorship and getting the right mentors. And we've had a few clients come in recently who said, I just felt called to work with you. I just felt like you were the right coaches for me at this time. And I just want to empower anyone out there that's thinking about working with us or curious about working with us. And when I say us, I mean myself and Jason Lang, who's been on many of these episodes. You can always understand more about us by taking our free training, which you can find at evolutionary.men slash training. That's evolutionary.men slash training. And I guess I just want to empower you that if you are feeling called, if you feel like you want to grow and you feel like we might be the mentors for you, I encourage you to reach out. I encourage you to learn more and I encourage you to reach out take the next step and move forward because we've seen great growth and movement in the men that we've worked with. And 
that's been more and more the message is I just, I felt called. I felt the call. So if you feel the call, answer the call.